0: Terrified for my life, I ran from my brother. I was faster, we both knew it. Faster when outside on grass, running toward a finish line marked with two tennis rackets at the end of a stretch of manicured lawn on Boston Common. Currently, however, I was running down a first floor hallway in a Beacon Hill home. It was lined with oil portraits of horrendous looking stern faces, old people to whom I was related, great uncles, women with hairy moles, a grandfather with a scornful brow and distrustful eyes, the family Moriarty. At the end of the portraits was a gargantuan mirror with a gilded frame and, in it, someone I knew all too well. The girl I saw had a teardrop face, intense gray-green eyes, tightly formed bow lips. My father called my looks, and my nose in particular, statuesque, which I hoped was a good thing, given that my eyebrows were unpleasant, narrow slashes with no curve to them whatsoever. My brother and I shared the discolored skin beneath our eyes, something for which I would forever curse my mother, as my father and his ancestors didn't possess that particular trait. The mirror had stopped me for a nanosecond. I had trouble looking away from the portraits. I ran on. The oriental carpet runner, as old as the faces on the wall, muffled the footfalls of my bare feet, I dodged a black lacquered table and the frosted glass cat perched upon it that served as a nightlight when the reproduction gas lamp wall sconces, now electric, were switched off. Father did not believe in dark hallways or stairs. Each night, he lit the place up like a Christmas tree. I dodged the hideous stuffed raccoon that stood on its hind legs and, farther down, the some kind of weasel that still scared the gee whiz out of me. One of the weasel's glass eyes was missing, leaving it looking like it was constantly winking my speed advantage did not play out within the house where i was careful of the antiques and my brother more reckless he knocked over the raccoon without pause charged me like a train i carried his treasured diary in hand only its surrender could save me from his wrath and only then if i could quickly convince him it was all a joke that i'd never intended to read it which as we both knew was a far-fetched lie Of course, I intended to devour its contents. I was reading as I ran. I knew if he caught me, he was basically going to kill me. I deserved it. I was a thief, even if I preferred to think of myself as a researcher or historian. I felt like a criminal. It turned out I had a lot to learn about that. James was tall for his age, 14, and I guessed already shaving. His pitch black hair parted far too high on his head, created a kind of dirty look to his face that recently came and went. By all accounts, he had quiet looks, no sharp bones to his round face, darker skin surrounding his sad eyes. If Malfoy was salt, my brother was pepper, and with a Scotsman's perma-blush complexion to his high cheekbones. His sullen, dark eyes seemed to be looking everywhere at once, and he had ears too big for his head. I didn't know if he'd grow into his ears the way he was expected to grow into his silly clown feet. But if he didn't, he was going to have trouble at dances. You are so dead, he called out. We both knew that was nonsense. He was special to me. We were special to each other. Father didn't encourage social activities for his two children. So James and I had learned to build forts out of blankets, cook unfathomably horrible meals together, act out scenes from our favorite books, And had even created our own language that neither father nor Ralph, our Romanian driver, nor our cook, the Caribbean Miss Delphine, understood. Only Lois, our nanny growing up, now father's rail thin, gray haired secretary, and the person in charge of our houses and properties, could translate. Already hiding within, I heard the smooth click of my father's study door opening and closing. It was a room we were forbidden from entering without father. Naturally, it was where I was hiding. Dressed in rich, red leather book spines, an antique world map globe in a brass stand, dark woods, and thin frayed carpets, it smelled of walnut oil, a fragrance that would stay with me and make me cry for years to come. There were limitations to where I could hide, James knew it. Under the harvest table, behind the door, tucked within the plush red velvet floor-to-ceiling curtains hanging on either side of the mahogany bookshelves, in the unlit fireplace, or where I currently was hiding, inside the Italian armoire.